Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world and all we can think about is where... Where can I hook up my mom? Digital pen part of work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Nerds. My name is Kelsey Jones. I'm the executive editor at Search Engine Journal, and I'm joined here today with Brent Satoris. He is a managing partner at Alpha Brand Media who owns Search Engine Journal, and he also owns two other companies. Brent, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Kelsey, thanks for having me. Always love to talk a little bit. <laughs> I know. So I wanted to talk to you today because I own a couple companies and you do too. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about how you manage all that because I think in the marketing and digital realm, that's a lot more common. And so I, I feel like you have some insight you can share with us today. Yeah, I think the big question is going to be how do you manage them effectively? I mean, I <laughs> and I don't know if I necessarily do that, but I'm I'm absolutely happy to share. And yeah, I've managed to uh, build and kind of fail and succeed and kind of abandon the various different uh, companies and projects along the way. Yeah, it's a lot of trial and errors. So, so you own both Pixel Road Designs and Cure Media, and so Pixel Road is more of graphic designs and infographic and then Curie is social media, correct? Yes, Kyrie uh, is kind of how we say it, but I mean, it doesn't much matter. But um, uh, Kyrie was really like, um, I had created a consultancy, you know, probably 10 plus years ago when I first started in social. And at first I called it Brent Satoris, you know, just Brent Satoris Inc. And then when I, um, when I was involved in the roll-up of Blue Glass, um, for a short period of time, that company was essentially acquired. And so when I um, did that, I needed to make another company uh, essentially to manage a couple websites I had. And my son's middle name is Kyrie. So I just threw together Kyrie Media. And then once I separated from Blue Glass after about a year, I ended up utilizing that company to do my consulting work under. Um, and then Pixel Road Designs, yeah, full service design firm doing websites, logos, everything above you know, anything that has to do with design. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, Alpha Brand Media. I was the founder of Alpha Brand Media, uh, which owns Search Engine Journal. Um, and then I also am involved with a, a startup app named Go Romeo um, right now as well. And I have a couple other projects as well that I'm kind of starting. So, I mean, that's a lot to take on. What is it, you know, I know you're talking about your past with Blue Gas and how some of it was kind of necessity, but is for the other things, is there a rhyme or reason to create a separate company? I mean, logically, Pixel Road and Kyrie could be one company, right? I mean, is, sure, there, a, is there a strategy behind why you would want to separate it out? I mean, really just longevity of the companies themselves. Like, I mean, essentially, when we talk about um, being in the, in, in the marketing space and kind of seeing opportunities, a lot of it is just literally an opportunity, right? Um, you, you know, I have the consultancy company, I need to create designs. Um, 
I started actually creating uh, infographics and I was very unsatisfied. Um, the weird thing is, is that like with marketing in general, um, people put a lot of effort into the design of advertisement, right? Magazines and stuff like that. You look at demographics, you look at stats, you look at, you know, who your target audience is. You spend a lot of time and energy to create ads very, very specifically for that. Um, what happens though uh, is, is that online when we started doing design for marketing, people really didn't do any of that. It was just like throw together whatever because it didn't really matter if it was good or not. It just mattered that you had it, right? I just need something to kind of throw up on my site so I can have an extra page or so I can promote in social or I can mm -hmm. go get on the front page of Dig. And I really cared about design that would actually work. And so mine was necessity. I just, I couldn't find a company that could create infographics for me. So I found designers that I felt like understood marketing and I started kind of nurturing them to create graphics for me. And over time, um, you know, my friends would be like, oh, you know, I like this graphic that you did. You Could you do one for me? And I was like, sure, no problem. And then it started to be something where I was just, I would charge a little bit extra just for the headache. And before I knew it, I had a company, but we didn't even launch a website for like three years. You know, it was just something wow. I created to create designs for myself. And then at a certain point, I was like, you know, we started getting bigger clients. We did the Olympics. We did Warner Brothers logos. We did Playboy. We did Bed Bath and Beyond. So in Google, we started. So we started getting a lot of like pretty big clients. Also through my connections from being, you know, a speaker and, and a consultant and stuff like that, um, we started getting some pretty big brands. And I was just like, you know what? We're obviously doing something right. You know, everybody was happy with what we were doing. So I, I kind of just put like a forward face on it um, and and launched it as an individual company. Um, not because they couldn't be together, but because I didn't want it to be another agency thing. I wanted it to be a, like a design firm that could exist on its own and just do design without being completely tied to marketing. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's kind of what I did with Story Shout. So I launched, I have my consultancy, Moxie.com, and Search Engine Journal is my full time job, but then I do you know, SEO and content and social media for a few clients. And then I wanted to launch a content agency that specializes just in news for brands websites. And I, and that's exactly what you're saying. That's exactly why I created a different company It's because it was a very specialized service that was different even from what I was offering already. And so I think the separation does help if you're going to be offering um, a very niche service or something very specific. And it helps, it helps clients kind of understand it better versus, oh, I'm under one umbrella and I do six different things. Yeah, I mean, it also comes down to if you're if you're looking at if you're an entrepreneur, then you're thinking about you know the future, right? So I know that there's you know there's definitely an importance to having a passion in what you work on and a passion in projects you kind of engage on. But ultimately, when I look at a company, I start thinking about like what is my goal? What do I want to get from this company? And if I want to sell it, one thing I've learned is that you know it, you, if you package the company from a brand name and a structure you know company's not just about the product it's about the infrastructure it's about the employees it's about the ability for somebody to come in and take it over and replace you and be successful and the more you can kind of think about your projects as individual companies and set them up that way the more you set yourself up for success in being able to remove yourself from it in the future exactly that's what i did with story shout i don't write any of the content I just kind of talk to the clients and then everything else I have someone else do because like you said, I wanted to set it up where I was hands off. It was this really great idea and I thought it'd be a cool company, but I don't necessarily want to do all the work. I want to hire great people to do it for me. So I definitely yes. agree with you on that. 
So when I made uh, Pixel Road Designs, when I actually decided to forward face it, I was thinking about Sachi and Sachi, the Toyota's marketing company. Uh, I, I basically, I essentially said, I want to. I have a really good process. I want to create a design firm that over time would become really good at the process and the quality that a agency, um, a large company, somebody who had no internal design structure effectively working for them would come in and essentially acquire the company. Uh, or, or, you know, in the back of my head, I also thought, well, if I could get two or three really big clients and that was all I worked on, then that would be essentially the goal for that company. But I mean, wherever it goes, it goes, but it's good to have a vision of like what you want to accomplish. So for me with pixel, everything I did on pixel was not about sales. I wasn't worried about if I got a lot of sales, I wasn't worried about trying to market the company. I was, what I was focused on for almost two years was process, process, process. Like how do you get a process in place where everybody's happy at the end? Because most of the time when you work with designers as a marketer, you have two different goals in mind and two different thought processes and how you're going to get it done. And it makes people insane. And by the time you get done, even if you get a good product, you're kind of not happy about the process. So that was like all I cared about. Um, so you really want to think about like what's your value add for a company and and how can you build a, and if you do that as well it also helps you to manage it we talk about a little bit about having multiple companies and the ability to manage them um, yeah definitely so what's your average day like i mean do you spend more time on certain companies than others or does it just depend on what's going on you know during that month or that time of the year now, now, here's the part where it kind of comes in because it's like, I don't know that my process is necessarily the right way. Um, I will be really quick to say, like, I am not necessarily the best biz dev guy. I'm not necessarily the best, like, operations guy. So I don't spend as much time setting up the proper structure or, or you know, doing the things that I really should be doing. So, but for me personally... Um, I don't treat them, you know, respectively as individual companies. I, I, I look at what I have to do in order for all of them to just succeed. So if I'm looking at, you know, um, one specific company, I might feel like, you know what, this company is going fine for a week. All the employees know what they're doing. Everybody know their, knows their tasks. I have like a good solid week where everything's in order. So I know there's two or three things I need to accomplish for this other company. I'm going to get those done. So really my to-do list is, is, is segmented by the company. But when it comes to what I'm going to accomplish for the day, it's really based on what's going to have the most impact for any of them. Yeah, prioritizing your task instead of treating everything as the same because usually most tasks aren't the same in terms of priority and importance. I also I also find that if you find that one company tends to to take a lot of your priority, like if it, it tends to get on your account, you know, your calendar, your list a lot, um, that's probably because there's a lot of opportunity there. There's a lot of either opportunity for improvement, opportunity for sales, opportunity for growth. Um, any of these things um you know, are going to trickle up naturally. And you kind of don't want to say, uh, you know, a really good friend of mine, uh, both of ours, um, said to me once that, you know, you focus on sales, sales first, right? You, you got to have sales, otherwise everything else doesn't function, you know? Um, and, and with that in mind, if you have certain company that's really f taking a lot of your energy, it's because there's a lot of opportunity there for you and you shouldn't ignore that. Yeah, I really like that. That's a good way of thinking of it. Think of it as an opportunity instead of, oh my gosh, I have more to do on this company. 
I like that focus and perspective. That's good. So I know that your companies are virtual and you have some employees all over the world, which I do too, and so does Search Engine Journal. How has that helped your companies grow and what are the benefits to hiring outside of the U.S. or, you know, a combination of U.S. and um, international employees? So I've looked at a lot of the variance between like working in an office and working remote. And I've looked at a lot of the pros and cons uh, that people kind of mention. Um, For me, I don't like the office work environment. Like I I think it makes it harder um, on, on you as an employer to find the right people because not everybody can work from home. Like, I think, that you, you know, if you're going to have somebody who's a remote worker or an independent worker, they don't, they're not as good in the office because their time is wasted. Um, and, and if you have somebody that really needs oversight, they're not good as a remote worker. So you really have to find um, not even just about somebody who's responsible, but somebody who understands self-motivation and understands the feeling of saying, I'm not just accomplishing my task lists. Because when you're not in front of somebody, you don't end up following up with them as much with the, hey, are you still working on that project? Or, you know, and so you might, sir, I've, I don't know how many times I've circled back on, you know, what I would consider not ideal employees for my type of work environment. Uh, I don't want to say they're bad employees, just people that didn't fit for me. I would come back and be like, so what did we do in the last two weeks? And they'd be like, well, really nothing. And I'd be like, so you just kind of sat there for two weeks and did nothing? And they're like, well, yeah. And I was like, that was a real shock for me early on is that you have to find that. So, so where it benefited me was the fact that, you know, it, it obviously helps with pricing. You can, you know, if you can go, uh, especially, you know, outsourcing to overseas, um, and I don't like to outsource cheap. Like for me, it's like what I, I, it's really about the employee, not the, the, the pricing. But what I do find is that like in certain areas like Philippines and in, I think Brazil's another area, um, there's, you know, Serbia, there's areas where the people that have two, three degrees have, you know, fluent in English, uh, really good, you know, work ethic, um, their rate is, is, is significantly uh, more advantageous than a bad employee uh, in the U.S. So it, it makes it a little easier when you're looking for certain roles to, to be more cost effective. Um, and I think that I also am really big about employee, like when I'm hiring, finding people who really need the opportunity. It's like you need them and they need you and it has to be a balance of, of those two things. And so when I look for people, I'm looking for somebody who this is really an opportunity for them. This is something that changes, I don't want to say changes their life, but it improves their life. It's not just a whatever, it's another job, it's, it's an opportunity for them. Um, and so I think that if you, you find that, then, then it, it gives you a lot more places and a lot more opportunities to, to find that. And a lot of um, overseas communities, even in the U.S., um, it's a huge perk from a work perspective to say, I don't have to commute for an hour and a half in traffic every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to you know, pay the gas. I don't have to deal with the frustration. I don't have to go and pack a lunch and then you know, waste time. You know? And so I feel like there's a lot of that that ends up saying, okay, well, you can work from home. You have your own environment. You manage your own schedule. You can eat from home. If you need to run out to the store, nobody's watching you. If you, you, know, you need to go uh, make a snack, nobody's you know, counting the time that you walked away from your desk. And I think that's a, that's a really good perk that uh, a lot of people will 
uh, see as a value in working for you. Yeah, I love that. The idea that you said of kind of needing each other in a way, because in my experience with Moxie.Win, when I've tried to hire people for as cheap as possible, it never works out because, you know, they're going to, I feel like the rate that you pay people, it does impact their work a lot of times. And so I just hired someone full time for Moxie.Win that works in the Philippines and I paid her double what the medium median income yep, rate exactly. is in the Philippines, and it's still very affordable for me. I mean, way less than I could pay in the U.S., but because it's so much higher than a lot of other people's minimums, I've gotten, I mean, I've already, I've only been working with her since the 1st of November, and I've already been blown away by yep. how much she's gotten done because she's so exactly. motivated. Another thing, too, is, you know, just because you can outsource doesn't mean you need to treat them like crap. I mean, going back oh, to what course. you said. So yeah. I give them, you know, paid vacation, all the U.S. holidays and all of the uh, major holidays over there that we don't cover, like All Saints Day. And I think giving those types of perks, even though they're not based in the U.S., also makes a huge impact in both the quality sure. of the person you can hire and then how good of a job they do for you because they know that uh, you respect them and they're going to give that respect back. And I, I have a very different, like, we don't track days off. Like, I don't track sick yeah. days or vacation days or anything. And I tell people this when we, you know, it's like, look, ultimately, you're responsible for your work and you're responsible for making things happen. If you have questions, you you have the availability to ask. If you make mistakes, we use it as learning opportunities. But I, I manage in a very mentor, a mentorship type of environment. So for me, people will be like, I'm not really feeling good today. I'm like, well, then go to sleep. You know, I mean, if you, <laughs> I want to go take a trip, then go take a trip. You know, I'm not yeah. really worried about what you do as long as you're, you know, if you're responsible. But the other thing I also do is I set people up with, um, there's two other things. One, I think that you definitely, I agree with your hiring rates, right? I mean, $1,000 in the Philippines a month is a surgeon. A surgeon makes $1,000 a month in the Philippines. Um, so if, if you're looking at paying, you know, somebody $2,500 a month, and you, you're willing to go spend $1,200 in the Philippines, you're getting fluent, college-educated, you know, you know, established worker who has their own home, has their own setup. They're very you know, responsible. You have the opportunity. It's when people say, you know, they go and they search online, what does the average person in the Philippines make for this job? Okay, that's what I'm going to pay. And, and I think that's where you end up getting like the whole outsourcing you know, stories of kind of the, the problems. And not that you can't find really good people that way, but why? Like there's opportunities for you to to improve on that. The other thing I think is really important is I don't think people really look at employee hiring enough as like a friend. Like, and I, what I mean by that is that I think a lot of times we people will hire based on just what's on paper. Yeah, sure, they're going to have a conversation. But a lot of times, even you know, I'm I'm even guilty for this kind of leading an interview. Like, okay, this is what we're going to be doing. Does that sound like you can do that? Oh, of course I can do that. Okay, cool. You know, and you kind of like you ask questions that almost like lead themselves to give you the answers you want from anybody. So people tend to sound good once you've looked at their resume, you've seen that they they fit. Okay, you can work these hours, you can do these things, you accept this pay, you have a couple of basic questions and you feel comfortable with them. But I think a lot of times we don't hire um, based on whether people fit the culture. And I think that if you think yeah. about work, you know, half of your life is working, you know, essentially, sure. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's one third, what, one third's work, one third sleep and like whatever, right? Yeah, Living, you know, anything else. So, so 
one third of your life is, is, is work and you have to be happy there. You, you know, I, I, I used to say, it, I think about whether I could have a beer with somebody. Could I sit down and enjoy talking to you, have a conversation, drink a beer, make a joke, have fun? That doesn't mean you need to be inappropriate. You know, I mean, I think some people think like, can I be inappropriate with somebody and they won't, you know, find it offensive as being a, a, a trigger of like, okay, they're chill, they're relaxed. I think that's not accurate. I think being able to just say, would I enjoy talking to this person for two hours? Or would I not? Um, and, and you think about if you were going to go out and you were going to meet a guy and you were going to bring him home into your family, you wouldn't think about just, are they good for you? You would think, are they going to get along with my parents? Is my dog going to like them? Um, you know, are my friends going to like them? There's, and there's reasons for that. Because if you bring somebody into an environment and you like them, but everybody else that works for you doesn't, that's a toxic environment. So I think you have to look at people kind of in a, you know, like almost as bringing somebody into your family. Um, and I think really look at, you know, um, making them a part of your culture. The other thing that I spend a lot of time doing is in the vocabulary I spend, I don't utilize things like it's my company or my this. It's it's their company. It's your company. You help this company succeed. You help this. You, you're very much responsible for the success of this company. And because of that, the company is going to take care of you like you're a owner of the company, like you're a part of the company. So we don't do the you know vacation days and the sick leave and all that other stuff but you have to think about the company like it's your own so i do a whole kind of cultural thing over uh you know a couple months that kind of figures out whether this person's a good fit and i go through a lot of people until i find the people that are good fit but when you talk about how do you balance all of these i found three or four people for a company and i went on a conference trip one time and i totally disconnected for like seven days and I came back expecting everything to be there because that's what you think about when you run a company. It's like, if I'm not yeah. doing it, it's all going to fall apart. And I came back after seven days and I was like, okay, what happened? They were like, oh, we had these issues, but we solved them in this way, in this way, in this way. And I was like, that's actually better than I would have done. Like, I actually <laughs> would have not done it as good as that. And so kind of after that, I was like, crap, you know, I can legitimately walk away from. So now when I say I need to spend time on company two or company three or company four, I, I spend a little pre-time working with the team to make sure everybody knows what their next two or three weeks are. Then I have a good solid week, two weeks of time that I can totally disconnect and it continues to work like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's the whole reason why people should start companies is not because they want to do everything themselves. It's because eventually they want to have everyone else do everything and then you can focus on either the big things or the things you actually want to be doing within the You should company. be hiring your replacement at all times. I like that. Yeah. And I think going back to what you said about culture fit, that's a huge deal. Especially at Search Engine Journal, we do that a lot. So we'll say, God, I really love this person and maybe they don't know a ton about marketing yet, but I know that they're going to be a great fit and they have that thirst for knowledge. And so the other part works itself out because as they go along, they learn more. But I, I agree, the culture fit and the attitude, it's uh, is is the biggest factor. I'd say. I mean, we we had a, I, I work for I work I work with a, a big furniture company as one of my clients, and they they were looking for over a year for a, you know a specific role, and they you know they were willing to pay a lot of money, and they were you know they were going to, and at the end of the day, they just they had such a hard time filling the role because when you go when you seek titles and you seek certain experience, people come with baggage or they come with expectations or they come with how they want things to work. For me, 
it's about the passion and drive, especially like there's the one, I forget the lady's name, but she did a, a great a TED talk about grit. She basically called it grit, drive, grit, passion, whatever you want to call it. But people, they, there was a huge study on what makes people successful. And essentially after the entire study, it came down to nothing but the ability to continue driving forward. You know, grit, the ability to, to take whatever lumps you get with, with a very learning type attitude and continue to move forward. So now, single-handedly, every person in my company that has ever worked out for me has been somebody who has grit. And so I look for somebody who has grit. And that's where it also comes into finding somebody in their right time in their career. Like, they're, they need you just as much as you need them because that's what – and they have grit. And you can just – I mean, PPC. You got somebody with grit and they need an opportunity and they like your company and your culture, you can send them to watch the videos online and they'll be better than my 10 years of experience in, in two weeks. You know, you know, just by giving you know that to the right person, you can end up having a rock star employee. Um, but people spend so much time looking at it the opposite way. I just want somebody who has the the experience, but they have no grit, and they have you know they're not willing to be flexible, and they're not willing to pick themselves up when they fall. Um, and then you run into issues. Yep, I 100% agree. So shifting focus a little bit back more to you, um, do you think that being well known or a thought leader? in marketing and SEO and social media like you have, do you think that's helped you grow multiple businesses at once? You know, I don't know that it, it helps everyone, but it definitely helped me because like, I'm not very good at like traditional lead gen. I'm not very good at setting up forms and landing pages and going out and doing PPC and going out and doing, you know, the CRM systems and all. I'm not, that's just not, I'm not a good salesman. Like if somebody calls me and they're like, oh, I, you know, I have this much money and I want to do this. I'll look at it and I'll be like, you know, this money would be better spent elsewhere. Or like you should just take this money and go spend it here and then build your company up and then come back to me in like six months when you, when you're like in a better place. I've done that more often than not. So I'm, I'm really not the best salesperson and the best kind of organizer in there. So I think that I've been lucky in the sense that, you know, I can go speak at a conference and then I can, in the networking or in the discussion, I can find five or six, seven, ten people who want design services as well. And I can say, oh, I have a design firm. You should contact us or vice versa. You know, I mean, somebody will come for design. They're like, I really want to be able to promote this. That's fine. We have a full promotion channel with our, you know, uh, our agency, you know, and, you know, vice versa. It gives me a lot of opportunity between all the companies to kind to kind of, you know, sell each other's services and and succeed with them and get, you know, kind of initial buzz or initial opportunity, which, you know, if you didn't have the visibility, it might be tough, you know, to really run multiple ones. But on the flip side, if you didn't have that kind of exposure, then your first company you succeeded with, you would have learned the tactics and skills needed to do the same for the second and the third. So yes, I think it's helped me personally, but if you're looking to do multiple companies, it's not something that you have to be necessarily well known to do. You just have to know your acquisition channel, like your, your lead acquisition channel. Mine is talking to people in person. So mine's you know, speaking. So maybe focusing on what you're good at instead of, oh, you have to speak at conferences or you have to know a lot of people. If on the flip side, if you're a really, really, really good writer, 
but you're not you're a good speaker, you could use that to your advantage to kind of grow your thought leadership that way. So maybe focusing more on what you're naturally gifted at and like doing versus instead of here's the steps to become well known. You know, but I, I, I would throw in there a twist that regardless of what you're doing, it's important to remember that at a certain point, and, and this is my opinion, uh, people could argue it, at a certain point, business is not about uh, skill sets and qualifications. It's about who you know. Um, you know I, I, how many of these VPs and CEOs and COOs and, 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 and presidents of these companies are hired because they're really the best person for the job, or their uncle knows somebody who you know they want to bring into the the company. Or um, I, I've seen so many times people keep contracts. Uh, for work, not because the contract was with the best, you know, company or the best, they were getting the best results, but because they knew somebody at the company. So a lot of um, sales and a lot of success in general can really be um, accredited back to your network. So if you're a writer and you you prefer to do things kind of more online, going to the little Twitter chats, spending the time in comments, connecting with people on LinkedIn, taking a little bit of extra effort to to put that, you know, conversation into written form um, is very important. Think about how many times somebody sits down to write an article about the 25 top this or the 10 best companies for that. And they start going, who do I know? What, 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 what companies do I know? And like, they'll start to, they'll start to pick people they know and they have relationships with, uh, when they're looking, you know, when you're looking for speakers, when, you know, who do you know, uh, that could join you on a panel? Oh, I have this friend who I know that's a great speaker about this or who can join somebody for a book. A lot of it comes through personal relationship. So as much as I say, you don't need to necessarily go to a conference. You don't necessarily need to, to have that. I think it's, it's extremely beneficial to force yourself to go to some local meetups and to, to join your chamber of commerce, go to a conference or two, spend some time online connecting because ultimately you're going to find uh, some of your biggest breaks are going to come just through that. Yeah, I agree. Having a good network has helped me tremendously. So to kind of close it out today, I thought it'd be interesting to ask you uh, what you're looking forward to uh, building or what you're going to be doing next, you know, in the next year, next five years? Wow. Um, well, what I'm looking forward to the most is, um, you know, really fighting next year. So I, I, I train a lot in, in martial arts. I, I train jujitsu, train a little bit of Muay Thai and a little bit of Nogi, like, uh, you know, kind of MMA style. Um, you know that because I've talked to you personally, but for anybody who doesn't know, I, I train six days a week, um, you know, multiple hours a day. And I also do a lot of strength training as well. And I do a lot of, um, you know, so I train quite a bit each week and next year, um, I will start competing. I will start fighting. Um, so for me personally, the biggest uh, goal I have next year is to win a lot of gold medals, uh, in, in competitions. <laughs> Um, and to do my, uh, my team, uh, proud, you know, my coach proud and stuff like that from a business perspective, what I have to do is I have to become a better lead, uh, acquisition person. I have to do better at understanding the lead flow, uh, understanding CRM systems, understanding how to bring in more organic leads. Cause right now, everything that I'm really bringing in is just because of my reputation. I kind of want to get away from that and start focusing more on, you know, traditional lead generation channels. And so I'm going to be learning more about that, implementing more of that and spending a little bit more time on that over the next year, uh, personally. Yeah, I like that. I think sales is always a good thing to f refocus on. So 
I like that. Well, Brent, thanks so much for joining me. I it was I learned a lot and it was really good conversation. That's always a pleasure. It doesn't take much to get me to talk, does it? <laughs> no, but it's all I always learn something. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So again, this is Kelsey Jones and Brent Satoris with Search Engine Journal. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.